0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Horror Homeroom Conversations. I'm Elizabeth Irwin. I'm Gwen Hoffman. I'm Dawn Keeling. And on today's episode, we're handling with Scare two film festival darlings, Curtis David Hyder's Spiral and J.D. Hillard's Sweetheart. Genre hybrids with political messages very much in the cultural zeitgeist, both films are currently garnering buzz on social media. But do they deserve the accolades? We're talking movie monsters, representation, and Republicans in this episode. So stay tuned.
1: And I can't wait to see where the Republicans come in. Cause... Oh, they come. <laughs> They're everywhere.
2: Okay. okay. I just want you to repeat that one line again. It was it was the director's name followed by... <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it kind of sounded like the sweetest
0: chef. <laughs> it's been a long, yeah. long day. <laughs> um.
1: Maybe we should just clarify that the director of Spiral (laughs) Do I need to redo this? David Curtis Harder just cleared everything up, so now we're good. (laughs) As Liz suggested... All drunk. (laughs) These are not just, like, indie horror darlings, which they are. We'll talk about whether we think that's deserved, like Liz said. But they also take up the problem that horror has had when it comes to representation. Uh, It's historically been a rather white and straight genre, Um, African-American characters have notoriously appeared, only to be dispatched early on. Jada Pinkett Smith does a great thing with that at the the beginning of Scream 2. And queer or gay characters are often highly disturbed psycho killers. See Sleepaway Camp, Dress to Kill, and Silence of the Lambs. But things are changing, and I think we're taking up two films that open up. Issues of representation Mm -hmm. um, and identity and horror. I guess we'll start with Sweetheart, um, which is available on video on demand. It's a monster film centering on an African-American woman, Jen, who is played by... All the notes between the two of you.
0: Kiersey (laughs) Clemons. Boom. (laughs) Kiersey Clemons.
1: And it was actually directed and co-written by uh, J.D. Dillard, um, an African-American... So you'd be surprised then to hear that actually race never comes up, right? Mm-mm. Never mentioned? Not that I can um, think of. It reminded me a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, which was obviously sort of a groundbreaking role for um, a black male actor in which race never came up. I think this is true of Spiral also in that I think what we're seeing in both of these films are African-American and gay characters – Breaking new ground in the horror film, but they're not defined by their race or their sexuality. And like I said, it doesn't even come up in Sweetheart. Yeah. What did you think of Sweetheart? Why are you um, both looking at me. <laughs> which is a very kind of minimalist film, right? Though I think Liz has some mm-hmm. information about the monster and how it was made. But Plato. It...
2: <laughs> That's kind of what I was assuming. Maybe. <laughs>
1: no. Oh. <laughs> not Plato. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, It kind of reminded me of Lost at the beginning when when Jen just sort of, she wakes up right on an island, clearly has been in some sort of shipwreck. We don't know why she's there. No one else seems to be on the island. But slowly she comes to realize there is some creature.
2: I struggled a lot with the lack of development. I think that that's, like you said, she's dropped off on an island. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she came from. Like, I get the the plot once she's there. Okay, you know, I've seen all those castaway films and whatnot. But I just, I didn't understand what was going on. And it it felt like about mm, 40 minutes till I really picked up on it. And I think that that was the exact point that I went on to Google and started Googling, like, what is this movie about? Like, what's going to happen? How long do I have to wait until I see something happen? (laughs) Like, I just kept clicking on, okay, how long have we gone? How long have we gone? Um, So it was just a very slow development so maybe that's why they didn't mention race because they literally didn't mention anything else in the first 45 minutes
0: i mean i think it's basically predator but on an island (laughs) and only more repetitious which i think is saying everything you need to know since what predator starred noted thespian arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) so i the fact that i prefer predator to this i think says it all
1: (laughs) is i actually i haven't seen predator is that about one character
0: no pursued
1: or are there many characters
0: no i would say probably the correlation to predator is more in the monster and how the monster is always lurking in the shadows and is stalking the the characters and whatnot and there's similar scenes too okay but i thought it was horrible and i don't understand it i on social media this movie is getting so much love and people who i respect horror people no people (laughs) who normally like understand that Good horror is usually not quote unquote elevated horror. I don't trust anyone anymore.
2: I didn't even, <laughs> <Yeah>. I couldn't <laughs> I even tell that there was really a monster. Like I said, I, I found that on the internet. Yeah. Because we were yeah. just talking that the scenes were so dark sometimes yeah. that you would see her climbing into this tree stump or whatever, and then you would hear something growling <laughs> outside. <laughs> so you knew that there was something on the island. You didn't know if it was like a wild boar, you didn't know if it was <laughs> a jaguar, but it was unclear. And honestly though, and it wasn't even like a good slow build like Jaws, where you don't see the shark until damn near the end of the movie. Yeah, It was not suspenseful. And in fact, I actually think I liked the monster better before I actually saw what it looked like.
0: Because then once I
2: finally saw the monster, (laughs) it kind of reminded me something like from the original episodes of Star Trek. I think I told you that Beanie and Cecil had a more more horrific (laughs) sea monster than that was. A plus reference. Yeah. It was
0: not scary so surprising no one i completely disagree with you okay so nine times out of ten i think not seeing the monster is better because as we've talked about you know what your mind can come up with is infinitely worse but vulture actually had an interesting article it was titled how to build a sea monster inside 2019 sleekest creature feature and it was by jordan cruciolo basically what's great about this article is that you can see the monster up close and i felt like Once I saw the monster in its full form and I could see like all the nooks and crevices and it was designed by Neville Page, who's done amazing movie monsters. Did he do Jar Jar Binks too? (laughs) 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 It's so wrong and yet I see it completely. I don't think so, although I'm Googling that shortly. (laughs) No, I actually do really like the design of the monster and... To me, it made it more frightening. Like, I would have liked to have seen the monster, and I want to see, like, blood and guts, you know, coming from it. And You're kind of twisted. What have all those horror films done to you? What, no one else did research on the movie monster? No. I just, just not trying. I mean,
1: I, I, I like 100% agree with what Gwen said about, being, about maybe not the monster. I, I I seriously had trouble seeing it at any point in the film. Like, literally seeing it. But there was just no development. Um, I mean, I was telling Liz that there were scenes that really evoked Creature from the Black Lagoon to yeah. me. Like, um, at a certain point, two for FG, Jen's boyfriend and and his friend Lucas and Mia also get washed up on the island. And later on in the film, they try to escape. The monster attacks, drags them down to the bottom. That of the was ocean. the best part of the movie. Yeah, I think. thought that was yeah. the best part of the movie. And it, it's because it's basically Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> but the Creature from the Black Lagoon was just like. A rich, full character, (laughs) like, compared to this monster, which had no motivation. Like, nothing. And it wasn't scary. I I don't Mm -hmm. know. So that wasn't developed, and Jen wasn't developed. And neither were those people that washed up on the island. All you got the sense is she dated
2: that kid for a minute. And how old are they? My God, (laughs) she looks like she's, like, 15. She's got a real young face. You thought so? Yeah, they look like teenagers.
1: Kiersey Clement? Like, the main actress? young.
2: They all looked young. (laughs)
1: Like, <laughs> Maybe you're getting a little old I am. There. I um. am.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but nobody was developed at all. Yeah, no. no, they weren't. But in the movie's defense, like one thing I did like is I thought the aesthetics were pretty good. Like there were moments that I really liked when she sets the flare off and you see the silhouette of the monster. That is aesthetically a beautiful shot. But that, I have want yeah. to well, give a credit for something, yeah. and I feel like that was good. I thought the sound layering was pretty good, too. You're pulling. <laughs> no, I like—you thought they were wild boars, but I sort of liked the grunts and the, like, the not knowing what all those sounds were coming at me. I mean, if I can't see the movie because it's so dark, I want to at least hear something, and I felt like I at least got that.
1: I think we we need to make a turn to see if we can find something that's that's positive about this movie, or at least talk about what other people might have said.
2: The sound layering. The sound we did. Layering.
1: We did. <laughs> and I like the reference to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Even though I just thought it kind of made the film look all the more shallow by comparison. That's
2: where the Republicans come in. No. no but they're coming. We'll get to that. they're coming. They're <laughs> coming. They're coming. Yes.
1: <laughs> gotta save that till the end. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, going to be the best part of this session. Once Lucas and Mia arrived on the island, I was like desperate for them to go away because I realized that no matter how bored I had been before they arrived, (laughs) the dialogue was so horrendous once they did arrive that I was like, okay, they need to go now. And we need to go back to silence and movie. Monster noises. But Sound I, layering.
0: The <laughs> one benefit, though, of having Lucas there is that we finally find out why the movie's named Sweetheart, though. Yeah, because I miss that. Yeah, he just kept calling her Sweetheart? When he wanted to be dismissive of her. Yeah. Oh. So it's a play on microaggressions. <laughs> You're.
2: Sh- I can't. I, what you going to do with that I one? Had, <laughs> I had
0: microaggressions throughout the film, sweetheart. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I do. Listen, after having done some research and read what people think about this film, I can actually see a case being made for it having a political message. Would you like to know what that message is? <laughs> I would love to know what that message is. And how it relates to Republicans. Okay, so there is an article um, on Refinery by Ann Cohen, and she does an interview with the star Kiersey Clemons. And Kiersey Clemons makes the argument that the movie is actually how we need to believe black women. And believe it or not, we don't know if the framing of Jen as a habitual liar is correct. And for me personally, I wonder if that's a mistake. Do I think the cultural default should be to believe women? Uh, absolutely. The National Sexual Violence Resource Center puts the prevalence of false reporting on sexual assault between two percent and ten percent. Okay. So, despite what our current administration suggests, there is not I'm some war.
1: We're getting there. We're getting
0: there. But there's not some war being waged um, on men, which is what the administration is trying to tell us, and. Side note: I'm not even going to get into all the like problematic heteronormativity that this like men versus women rhetoric creates, because obviously that's a five-hour rant.
2: You should have told our listeners to drink every time we said either trauma or um, <laughs> they already human. know <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or I Republican. Think, I, I think that was <laughs> <To be drunk, laughs> the first. That is like, no. let Let's like. <laughs> go. <laughs> no, but that's the whole point. So we don't. We're positioned. We don't know whether we're supposed to believe her or not, right? Yeah. The star is making the case that that's what this movie is about. Like you need to believe women.
1: Who calls her a habitual liar? Because I did write down that she she I
0: think does it's she Mia. write a letter
1: or read a letter that says she struggled all her life to be believed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I tend to believe yeah. her just because yeah. of her reaction. But the film is definitely pointed and keeping that unclear. Uh, But she also said something else that I thought was really interesting, and this I do actually agree with, is because at the end of the film, and this is a spoiler, but I can't imagine many people are going to be listening to us and then running out to watch this. But she does end up um, on the island. It's a blaze. We don't know whether she got off or not. And her argument is that when you've experienced Trauma. trauma... (laughs) (laughs) So when you've experienced trauma that it doesn't really matter if you get off the island or not, you're always (laughs) still grappling and wrestling with that. And I just loved her whole interview. And honestly, I would so want to watch a movie. she was describing but I don't think that's (laughs) this
1: movie but
0: so So what do you guys think of that
1: why does the? I I mean I think that's really well it's way more than I had seen but it's it definitely is an interesting reading I mean as we were saying earlier it almost makes me want to go back and read it again or watch it again when Lucas and Mia arrived you know they floated up I mean Gwen it's interesting that you said you thought they were dating yeah. they're very like cliquish yeah they yeah. Are. like they're they're sitting together they're like talking they're like giving Jen these like strange glances and i was kind of shocked when yeah i found out oh lucas is jen's boyfriend because it seemed clear they were setting up this thing where maybe he had a thing going on with mia and that did sort of set up these two white people against jen you know if you're reading if you're reading the film just in the way you did like i think that kind of supports it. They don't. They distrust her. They're suspicious of her. They don't believe, believe her. Not because of anything to do with her personality, because we don't know anything about her personality or her history, but just because of her race. I mean, wasn't that the point that you said she was trying to make?
0: Yes. And I want to be very clear that that was not my reading of okay. the film, because I didn't see any of that. I saw a little bit of the microaggression when he refers to her as sweetheart. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I think any woman knows yeah that feeling but i did not see this broader social context at all i just was really bored by the movie so yeah. yeah and i couldn't see half of it either so
2: i just wanted to know why they were in a boat like literally just these three mm. people well no and Four. then the people that got two you know pe- yeah they, two yeah it was people? two were there two yeah there because five, the one yeah. that she washed up with yeah and then there was like another half like a torso or something right <laughs> i don't know he was probably the most engaging <laughs> we so awesome. person yeah, he was the most engaging person in the film too like i was excited by the torso but uh i just didn't understand why like were it's they just gruesome. in a small dinghy in the middle of the wide open ocean did i don't know yeah. there was nobody else there there was no rhyme or reason it's not like it was a cruise yeah. ship that went down i but i struggled with that
0: but there's also the implication that lucas had something to do with mr torso Winding yeah, but, up on the beach TV. as well. I, read we don't, we don't I get did read that answer. on Wikipedia.
2: I didn't did quite <laughs> get that. <laughs>
1: Wikipedia. <But laughs> That's where I get all my facts. I, I love films to be ambiguous, but this one, there was just a hole where any yeah. kind of meeting could have come from. Like, actually, now that we're talking about it, I think this film should have had flashbacks. Yes, that like would have been good. flashbacks to the boat, where the five of them were. That would have been good. Because I almost got the sense that there was something interesting going on with those five people. Yeah. Like, what were they doing there? What were their relationships?
0: But according to the director, not having all that explanation was very intentional because he wanted to keep the audience in an off-kilter state.
1: To what end?
0: Well, I think he misjudged
2: off-kilter with bored. If I didn't have to watch it. (laughs) If
0: we weren't forcing you to watch it. Correct.
2: I absolutely would have turned it off because when literally one half of the film, like 40 to 45 minutes of the film, is that slow and dull, Mm -hmm. I
1: turn it off. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of getting there. And I think I missed some things just because I was distracted. Like I was checking my email, Mm -hmm. going on social media while the film was running in the background. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
2: So that's like a ringing endorsement, I think.
0: From all of us. <laughs> I'm just in shock, though, because so many people love this movie. Yeah. Like, really, genuinely love it and are outraged that it had a VOD release as opposed to... Theatrical. Yeah. I don't yeah, have that same anger. I don't know anger. if you've really agreed wholeheartedly with a lot of the mainstream reviews of recent films. What do you think that means? Do you think it's because we're more academic that we've just lost our joy in Did everything? Did you just <laughs> say that? No. I, I feel it's like we may have lost joy. They're,
2: they're the ones that are boring and dry, not us. Like, I don't feel that that's... I feel like we're true fans. Yeah. Yes, I would agree I think with that. that that's the difference, is we're looking for a good movie. I don't always need a message. Like, sometimes, yes, absolutely. Do I like social commentary? Yes, and we're going to get into that in Spiral. Like, yeah. that had some really cool stuff yeah. that left you thinking. But I just sometimes want to be a little startled in my movies.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Especially my horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was not, like, it didn't make you think... It didn't engage you with the characters. If we'd had flashbacks, we don't have to have everything explained, but at least I could have learned something about the characters. Um, So there was nothing about the characters to draw me in. It wasn't scary. I couldn't see. So it wasn't even a good story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean that I, I feel that like being too harsh, but that was really my reaction. No, I,
0: I, I completely agree. I just don't know why there's we have such a disconnect yeah. from other people who are into horror movies too. But I mean people who genuinely love horror films. Are like clamoring for this one, and so it makes me think like, what What am I missing? Am I so grizzled?
2: Facts. You shouldn't get your inf- information off the internet.
1: Well, graveyard shift sisters seemed to really like this film, but they didn't. She didn't write much about it. She praised um, the director's commitment in balancing the scales of who gets to do the cool things in genre narrative. I mean, with with that, <laughs> we're just back to representation. Like, it's a good movie because you know there's. That review sounded like a one long woman.
0: euphemism, though.
2: It really kind of did. So mostly <laughs> thumbs down for Sweetheart?
0: Total thumbs down for okay. me. Yeah. Both down. Okay, if we're in agreement, the three of us, that this is a bad movie, it's got to be a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: We're going with that, that's people. Be,
1: that's what we think.
0: Although if people like it out there, please let us know why. Yes, because I'm genuinely why. curious why people yeah. would actually think this is like an excellent movie. Creature feature in particular, because the creature doesn't even do anything interesting or different from other movie monsters to set it apart. So I'm confused as to why this is such a great monster.
1: So let us know what you think. Well, the second movie is um, Spiral. Which is still right now um, playing the festival circuit. So you won't be able to watch this right now, but given the uh, reviews it's getting, I'm pretty sure it's gonna get a wide distribution before too long. It's directed by Curtis David Harder, who also recently produced a pretty good horror movie last year called What Keeps You Alive about a lesbian couple celebrating their anniversary in the woods. And there are some surprises. <laughs> That's one <not cliche>. day. <laughs> Was like, mm-hmm. what? Did, did they
2: have, I don't know, dogs in a U-Haul, too? I mean, I don't know. And they were wearing
0: plaid. They were Lots of
2: plaid. Bravo, L.L. Mean. Yeah. I have to look
1: that up now. If they're wearing plaid, I have an objection. We, we both watched that, right? And I I don't think we were fans. Like, I remember you saying you wanted to like it a lot more than you did.
0: He did that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah I didn't you know, like that where at somebody
1: all. somebody pushes someone else off a cliff? Yes,
0: yes. People love that one, too.
1: It's not your usual lesbian relationship.
0: (laughs) Well... Dysfunction,
1: (laughs) fighting, I don't know. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I guess you'll have to... But anyway, yes, he produced that. And I would suggest... I would recommend you watch that. Though that was, like, praised way more highly than I thought it probably should have been. It sounds like you did, too. Yeah. Both films, What Keeps You Alive and Spiral, were um, written by Colin Minahan... Um, and then Spiral's also co-written by John Poliquin. Spiral is about a gay couple, Malik, played by Jeffrey Bowyer Chapman, and Aaron, played by Eric Cohen, who moved to a small town called Rusty Creek in, I think, Illinois, with Aaron's teenage daughter, Kayla, played by Jennifer Laporte. And I think all the actors in this are really good. Set in 1995, and let's just say the community is not very welcoming. <laughs> Malik and Aaron. I guess technically they really wanted them there.
0: Yes. Well, one of the ladies comes and says, We don't have any of you. Yes. So clearly. Really
2: I didn't say they were them. educated, but I feel like they, they really want... wanted them there.
0: So we're going to be spoiling this movie, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think Gwen we just have didn't... to. <laughs> There's no way just... around that. Yeah. Come on. We don't have to give everything. I think we can talk about it without giving. Because I was actually kind of surprised by what it was that the community really wanted in the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I thought it was a little surprising. Not surprised, Liz? No, I can't say this one surprised me. I was with it really? all the surprised? way to the very, very end. And okay. then there's one scene, which I completely appreciate why they did it, but it really annoyed the hell out of me. Which
1: scene?
0: The very, very end when you get the new family coming oh, okay. in.
2: Yeah.
0: But we can get
2: there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a great film until they tried to be supernatural. Yeah, like we were watching it and all of a sudden it was like somebody from The
0: Grudge interrupted. Yeah, I think yeah. they ran out of money, honestly.
2: And then it it got weird.
0: Because it just dropped. It yeah, was supernatural it was and then it was done.
1: Very so, bizarre. Yeah, it was like, some, who was that figure who looked like someone from The Grudge supposed to be? I think it was one of the kids from another
2: family that had lived there. Okay. But it was just so random. Only that one person from one family, which would make sense if they ran out of money, but
1: it was (laughs) so random. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, just to give you a little bit of background here, like, Malik is kind of the stay-at-home one of the couple. He's writing something. um, He's ghostwriting some person's, some doctor's biography. And he's the one that really sort of sees weird things happening in the community. And then... Well, it sort of explodes into people paint spray-painting faggots on the wall. So it gets not very subtle, not very quickly. And then, you know, he's the one that kind of understands what's going on, and he tries to convince his husband, Aaron, what's happening. Aaron doesn't believe him.
2: Yeah, that marriage is a little problematic to me. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yeah, Aaron's got to go.
0: What upsets you the most about Aaron? He's very dismissive. Yes.
2: Yeah. He obviously talks shit about his partner because the kid picks up on it and repeats it, mm-hmm. and it's okay. Um, he belittles him, doesn't appreciate his work, thinks that he's
0: a leech. Like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. There was a lot wrong with him. Yeah, I think I was turned off from him, like, right at the beginning when the neighbor comes and says, I just saw your gardener. And he doesn't say anything. He just dismisses it as, oh, you know how some people are. (laughs) No, as a matter of fact, I don't know how some people are. Yeah. But then I have to say, though, too, Malik also, the fact that, you know, he doesn't tell him about the spray painting— Yeah, You know, somebody has come into your home and done damage. There's a threat and that you're not going to say anything. I don't know. It just was a very toxic relationship, I thought, from beginning to end.
2: And that's definitely not okay. But you also get the sense, and I'm not excusing it, you get the sense that Malik probably feels like somehow it would be made to be his fault. Oh, you didn't want to be here in the first place, or you're not pulling your weight, or I don't believe you, because they start to paint Malik as if he's crazy. And, you know, people buy into it. So maybe he was just like, let me just take care of it. And then when he does try to take care of it, he gets in trouble for, you know, getting the security system. Again, I'm not saying it's right. He should have absolutely said something because you got your husband and your your kid living in
0: that house. Right.
2: You you can't lie about that stuff.
0: Um, but it just seems strange to me and like nonsensical that he wouldn't even take like a picture with a cell phone of what it was. And just as documentation. 1995. Ah, oh, that's true. I didn't. I forgot about 1995. That's right. He had his that's Polaroid. Right. Yes. He had his Polaroid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the gateway. Because <My> <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think in '95, like mm-hmm. I think we all had pagers still, not he that I remember. <laughs> yeah. It takes me back to the episode of The Real World when Heather had a, a pager. She's like, "Did you sell
1: drugs?"
2: <laughs>
1: oh my God, that is a flashback.
2: <laughs> see, like flashbacks make everything better. They do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That was the first season. Oh my God, oh my God. that was I good love stuff. The first season of The Real World. <laughs> But we digress. Um, <laughs> As we always do. I mean, I have to say, I loved Malik. I loved his character. Um, and it was, he was in a toxic relationship. Like, he was desperately trying to kind of make this idyllic world for Aaron mm-hmm. and then taking shit from Aaron when you know, Malik tried to say, like, maybe this isn't quite so perfect, which obviously was then prompting Malik to try even harder to make things seem perfect. And yeah, it was just he Malik was in an impossible situation, like trying to deal with all the shit that was going down and also trying to make everything appear to be perfect.
0: Yeah. What I liked about Malik, too, is that he's Doing a job he clearly hates. I mean, he's transcribing audio of a person who's preaching, like, family values. Republican. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, he's doing it as a contributing member of the family and trying to participate, you know. And the fact that he's not making as much as Aaron— I I don't know. I I think in terms of like a political message, it was very, very interesting to me that this was set in 1995 because I thought there's one line where they talk about the traditional family unit. It's everything. Yeah. And
1: that's what the doctor
0: says. Yeah. And it instantly brought to mind, you know, the Republican family values campaign. Right, so drink it does. Up. Yeah, drink up. <laughs> um, it does start in the '80s, but I was trying yeah. to remember in the '90s, like where we were. And if you remember, like '92 was when you had the Dan Quayle mm-hmm. and Murphy, Murphy Brown, Brown thing, and so people, the rhetoric was kind of like, oh, to even preach family values, it's outdated, it's outmoded. But by 1994, everything had switched, and that was becoming like you saw the buttons that said, you know, Dan Quayle was right. And so I think situating the movie in 1995 is probably a really conscious choice to talk about, like, that Republican family values campaign and how the community at large uses that against this couple without giving too much away. And
1: and Pat Buchanan is actually in it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually watched this movie twice, and the first time I was like, I know that voice. Who is it? And then the second time, yeah, it was Pat Buchanan. It was near the end. How did I Aaron miss that? When Aaron shuts the curtain on Malik, there's audio of Pat Buchanan huh. talking about family values. I think she should
0: pick up on that. he
1: does. So there's yep. an
0: actual Republican in this. I would would not lead you, don't you don't all astray. You don't have to search.
2: No, and oh. you know what else Malik had a lot of? Trauma. Trauma. <laughs>
1: He's going to bring
2: it next time. No, yeah. I did like Malik too, but it was soul crushing. Like, Remember when he was sitting down with their daughter and she was looking through photos of them and she sees the picture of her father dressed as a, a, a woman. Yes. And Malik was just so excited. He was like, live your life, be yourself, yeah. be true to yourself. Always, you know, we fought for this. And it was amazing to kind of have see that kind of happen. And then they pull that out and hang it up. And then by the end of it, just to watch that flip—that was soul yeah. crushing. That
0: was the tragedy part for yeah. me. It was the fact that all of a sudden he's um, saying to Kayla, Kayla. "I lied. Yeah. Yeah. Hide who you are. Hide. Don't make yourself a target." You know, and it was understandable why he was thinking that way. And I think it gets that part of the queer experience, especially in the mid 1990s, very right.
2: I agree with you. I think that it, that is timely because you had a lot of you know, act up and visibility right. and stuff that had happened just before that. And then it I think it got, like, yanked out from, from underneath them. And this was only, like, I think Matthew Shepard was killed in, like, 92 or 93. Brandon Tina would have been around the same time, no? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I did think it was interesting. Like, they talk about—there um, was a line that caught my attention that said, things don't change, people just yeah. get better at hiding. And obviously it's referencing their bigotry, and it just struck me that we're currently living in a time when, you know, people are getting more and more comfortable exposing their prejudices, and there doesn't seem to be really... Any pushback, depending on what environment you're in. Like no, There's I agree. enough
2: support. I mean, that line would have summed up how I felt the day that Trump got elected. Exactly. Because there were so many people running around just kind of saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But that line right there is very much true. They, I think people just hid it for so long. And then they were like, oh, we're going to cast that ballot.
0: So did you guys see this movie switching from like a horror movie to like... A political movie or do you think it's one in the same
1: well that that was my main question about this film like whether it tipped too far to the overtly political and i'm not sure i think it does a pretty good job of of balancing i mean to my mind this film is when i think about what films it's like it's like rosemary's baby Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that was making a point about women and how women aren't believed and how, you know, women are oppressed by you know, doctors and all of these institutions women aren't listened to. This, this movie is more overtly political than that, but mm-hmm. I still think it stays on the right edge of kind of entertaining rather than preaching. Yeah, I don't think it bashed you over the head. Like, no. it, was,
2: it was a nice balance because, I mean, you guys know I love me some gore with my horror films. But I yeah. also like something that makes you think, yeah. you know, that you can talk about. And, you know, if we go back to all the horror, horror scholarship, we talk about your collective nightmares, you know, or it being, like, everybody's fears and, you know, things that we've repressed. And that, I think that, that it really did all of that stuff in the way that horror is supposed to. And I don't think it tipped over. I did
0: have a question. Maybe yeah. you guys know the answer to this. Possibly not. So the photos of Malik, how did they get those photos? Is it just because they're supernatural?
2: Yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Because that, was I, my that gut. really
0: I was like, I, How did you get this? I think he was drugged. I mean he realized Well, he was
1: drugged later on in the film. Well, he realizes his drugs were switched later on. I mean, I guess I didn't think there was a supernatural element. Like I thought, Malik was having hallucinations because they'd been messing with his medication from the beginning. Yeah, but they killed the one guy and he came back. Oh, I think. Oh, that's true. He's supernatural. Yeah, I think the cult and there is a cult here at the end. Like they, they seem like Republican. Sort of... oh. Yeah. <laughs> vampire, I'm just saying.
2: Slash Republicans. <laughs> one in the one same. In the same. <laughs> but no, yeah. I, I see. I made the assumption it was something supernatural, but you you do make a good point that it could have been. He, was, he drugged. was drugged.
1: Cause remember, like near the end, uh, when Malik comes back, when the horrible thing happens right at the end to Aaron <laughs> and Kayla and Malik, I think Aaron's like, "Where have you been?" or something, and Malik's like, "Well, I've just been gone." To does he say a couple of hours or a couple of days? And then Aaron says, "Like you've been gone a month." Or a, oh a week. week yeah he'd been gone for a week. See
2: I saw that as them trying to tell like show him he's crazy. I guess that was just the how I looked at it because
0: throughout the whole entire
2: film everybody was trying to make him out as if he was yeah. crazy. And but... I think that the viewer could easily buy into it too.
0: So can we talk about the ending? Yeah. Okay.
2: Because that's where it maybe
1: tips and Yeah. Us.
0: So a new family arrives, yeah. and the new family is, well, it's after, it's post the 9 11 terror attacks. Yeah. And a new family comes into the neighborhood, and I believe they're Arab American. Yeah, that's right. Sikh. is that you're right i think you're right so here's my problem with this it's making the case i'm trying to like not give away too much but i think we have to give away some that you know they want people who are marginalized within the broader scope of the community yeah obviously in no way shape or form especially after 9-11 yes that tracks but the fact that you had a lesbian couple And then you had a gay couple, in 85, 85, because you find out there's a couple that precedes them and they're a lesbian couple. And then 95, you have the gay couple. There was almost a suggestion to me that gay people no longer count as a vulnerable population. And the fact that I would have liked to have maybe seen like a transgender couple because, you know, we know hate crimes are on the rise. And it was the fact that we got two queer couples and then nothing that was it bothered me a lot
1: interesting
2: yeah that didn't bother me at all i think that for me it was just the larger argument that you know what fine you know what when one group's okay guess what there's just going to be another group and but but, then, but, but it's well, not okay just
1: saying it's not okay
2: no i'm not saying that it's okay but they i think that they're just saying there's always going to be somebody that's going to be hated period and it's going to go back and forth it's going to ebb and flow and i don't think that they i don't think that they were insinuating that you know people are okay with gays at that point i think that they were just trying to say it's moved on to another
0: group. But that's the problem, is that I don't think it's moved on. I think it encompasses many groups, but I don't think it's actually moved on. It would be different if, like, the first couple that we were given, say, it was an interracial couple, right? You're talking the 80s. I mean, that would probably be earlier. But if you had, like, maybe an interracial couple and then a queer couple and then... Oh, well, then an interracial queer couple. Right, right. Like, if you were showing, like, different configurations of couples who are marginalized, like within the the broader scope of America, then I could see that point. But the fact that it was very intentionally queer, queer, nothing.
2: We're done with that. So you're mad that they let go of the
0: gay? I'm not mad as much as I was. No, I'm just trying to clarify. Yeah, disappointed because I thought, well, it kind of is an implication that to be queer no longer counts as really as an oppressed or marginalized group. But they didn't have any
2: well they had Malik but I was going to say they didn't have any Hispanics they didn't have any uh Asians they didn't have any like so you you can't talk about everybody all at once i guess that's where my <laughs> no. head No
0: there's only I, one family I, at a time like, right but the fact that they said you know our family a is a lesbian couple family so think b is you're, you're a stuck gay on couple. that it
2: was gay gay and then not
0: gay right i got you yeah
2: because
1: it, it felt like an arithmetic problem
0: it does it does 12
2: <laughs> <laughs> i get it yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see any. I because I, I sometimes just think in broader strokes. That's all. So like I'm thinking about how like everybody wants to hate people from Central America now because they get all riled up because there's caravans coming and oh, absolutely. So I think it just tracked like that. People don't stay with something very long, and then we love to hate, and it's it's transferable. And
1: it it does suggest that that hate is moving. In fact, I wrote mm-hmm. down the line. It's Marshall the sort of the uh, head of the Republican cult, the Republican vampire cult, because they don't seem to age. Um, He's like, and when the times change, there will be someone else to be afraid of. There always is. There always will. It's human nature, fear. We just exploit it. So it it
2: is like... And it's generally just non-white, because if you think about it, Aaron Mm -hmm. was kind of embraced. Like, remember when Malik walks in the room, Aaron's just standing there like what are you doing he well, was he's only them, embraced until he's well I guess Kayla's oh that's right <laughs> yeah. that's right I forgot about that I was gonna say Kayla doesn't fare so well that was interesting <laughs> but hey yeah okay <laughs> but right. it
0: was it was the scene of the new family coming in with that narration that said yeah. moving on and I'm like yeah. well we haven't moved on though that's entirely the point
2: come to think of it I'm thinking about more supernatural things too that kid did not age <laughs> no but yeah. yeah he didn't age yeah. once I think
0: that's
1: why he consumed the blood, right? Yeah, He's he's like the the recipient of the ritual, which was the shocking part of the film for me.
0: Oh, that it was him?
1: No, that it was Kayla. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's almost kind of a distraction from that in that the cult says that they always choose someone vulnerable and they vilify them, and it's Malik in this case, who's vulnerable for a lot of reasons, including, you know, his trauma.
0: By the way, just a chance to drink...
1: Did you, did you get the fact that Liam was? I really dumb not to get this. That the person he was talking to on the phone was the the boy who was kind of killed at the beginning.
2: Oh yeah, I knew that. <laughs> okay. Oh, I didn't get that. Wait, really? <laughs> uh, no I think <laughs>
0: it's not in my nose.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah. No, I didn't get that. Yeah, I think she even she got that even before me. She was like, I know who he's talking to.
1: Like, yeah. In
0: my defence I'd taken a lot of C B D that day. <laughs> but no, I didn't
1: get that. So I Sorry. I think I got it the second time I watched the film, it was like whoosh, totally over my head the first time. But that's why Malik's vulnerable because he's already well, because of the PTSD, like he's already talking to people who aren't there. So who are dead. But anyway, but but it's Kayla that's ca- the sacrifice. Yeah. It's always the girl. Those are the ones that got through
2: into the volcanoes back in the day, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. So do we like this one? Yeah, yeah. I really like it. I liked one. it, too. Yeah. yeah. Ending I aside. Eh, I wasn't
2: even
1: too adverse to the ending. I didn't see what you were talking about, but <laughs> yeah. um, I totally get your point. I mean, my problem was with the ending was just that... I don't know. I thought it was maybe a little beating you over the head with the point, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the cyclical nature of there's going to be another of other and we're going to do the same thing to them. I didn't have that much of a problem with it.
0: Yeah, me either. Do we know if Spiral's been picked up for distribution yet?
1: Yeah, I haven't. I don't think it has yet. Oh, but it's I hope just, it does. Yeah. It's, it's
0: very, very good. Yeah, it is good. So I would tell you guys to let us know what you think, but you haven't seen it, probably. (laughs) So when it does become available, we will let let you you know. know.
1: (laughs) And then you can tell us what what you think. Um, Okay. Two indie films, one of which you should watch. And the other of which, and you can't. And then the other of which you can watch, we're saying, nah, don't. No,
2: I mean, unless you like sound layering. I mean,
1: I'll give you a good sound, Larry. Just turn the brightness up on your device, whatever it is you're watching it on, to its highest.
0: No, read the interview with Kiersey Clemens and then go watch the movie. Because I think if I had had done that, no, but I think if I had done that, I would have watched it entirely differently. Okay. All right, so do some homework and watch Sweetheart. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Follow us on all things Horror Homeroom. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.